0: One of the most pressing challenges of our generation concerns energy and growing demand for it. It affects almost every aspect of our lives. How we work, how we travel, how we spend our free time, how we design cities or even how we think about the future of farming. And most of all, it affects our planet. In this podcast, we will talk about the future of energy, what are the biggest challenges for the grid operators and what are the ideas to meet them that we all, electricity users, will benefit from this. My name is Lukas Gras, and I will be your host for the entire podcast series we called Powering Low Carbon Communities with ABB. Let's start. Our guest today is Thomas Schmidtchen, Global Head of Digital Sales at ABB. Hi, Thomas. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Nice to meet you. Hi, good meeting you. Thank you for having me today.
0: Let me first go back in time. Uh, Remember the start of 2020 and the COVID-19 pandemic, the global lockdown and the news that changed many people's lives, remote working. On the scale 1 to 10, how surprised were you in 2020 when people switched uh, to everything remote? Remote working, remote learning, even remote doctor visiting.
1: Wow, That's that's a great question to kick this discussion off with. So first of all, let me say, I think I was very surprised around how quickly the pandemic came and hit so many economies and touched every one of our lives, including many of our customers' operations and ways of working and doing things. So I was probably equally surprised like everyone else, how quickly transformation and new ways of living the day and working um, entered all of our lives. On a scale from one to 10, I was mixed surprised how quickly (laughs) different parts of the world adopted to this new change. You were mentioning um, examples like uh, remote working, remote learning, or remote doctor visits. Um, And I think different countries and different societies coped a little bit differently with all of those ones. So all in all, uh, first of all, I was very surprised how quickly corporations, especially large corporations, switched to the remote working piece. An example is ABB and ABB electrification. Um, I think we went through that transition quite smoothly. Um, having laptops, having mobile phones, having remote working opportunities has been part of our way of working already since a longer time, so that transition Work quite smoothly. At the same time with our customers, I was surprised how many weren't at that level of flexibility just yet, especially small and medium sized enterprises, many of whom were still working with, you know, desktop workstations and hardwired installed phones had a couple of months to adopt to this new way of a new way of remotely engaging.
0: Yeah, but did you like that we all started working remotely? Of course, leaving aside the health dimension of the pandemic, it's obvious it would be best if it never happened. Yeah? But just focus on the business implication of this crisis. Did you like it?
1: I was surprised on that scale of 1 to 10, how quickly the remote working was adopted and continued the momentum of engaging with our customers and supporting projects it's a new way of engagement but i thought that the whole transition went smoother than all of us thought at the very beginning
0: but would you agree that the pandemic didn't change anything it just accelerated the technological revolution
1: i think i think it changed a lot in the people's perception or understanding around what is even possible so i think there was a lot of learning on an enterprise scale on a personal scale and ultimately uh, i think we were all surprised how seamlessly and how with a strong momentum, things could continue. Finally, I think we've seen when it comes to the other two areas of questions you raised, remote learning or remote doctor visiting. I think we've also seen differences in different countries and societies on how quickly, you know, based on local laws and legislation and regulations and flexibility, societies were able to adapt. Um, I was surprised how quickly in parts of Asia and Asia Pacific, how Quickly in the United States, things could swap to homeschooling and remote learning. I was surprised. On the other hand, for example, looking to Europe, how mm, much schooling and education systems struggled with these questions like remote connectivity, um, like setting up the technology that is needed to engage remotely for schooling and for doctor visiting, how also, uh, cybersecurity and not least, Mm, Data protection, personal security played a role in many of those adoptions.
0: It also depended on access to the new
1: technology, access, access to new technology, but then also the flexibility and agility of societies or enterprises working therein, in order to embrace those adoptions.
0: Thomas, digitalization that has taken our lives by storm must have been a big challenge for energy and utilities companies, as you mentioned. How did they manage this change, in your opinion?
1: Wow. So, um, first of all, let me point out the challenge for energy and utilities companies. Um, many, Many of our... Our end users and operators in these segments are faced with the everyday struggle of keeping their operations going, Yeah, making sure the grid doesn't break down, making sure the process doesn't stop, ensuring there's no outages, but a high degree of uptime and supply and service. All of these challenges obviously didn't become much easier once remote engagement with these systems had to be taking a stronger role as part of this transition. And I think here's where, again, the flexibility and agility of embracing new technology and unleashing it to the operations played a big role in how these corporations could cope. And what about utilities? Well, that's, that's true for, for energy and utility companies. Let,
0: let's talk about landscape. Uh, digitalization will mean something completely different in emerging countries and in developed ones. Can you point out the main differences?
1: Yes, certainly, digitalization means something different for different countries, also dependent on the stage of broader economic development that they're in. And many factors play a role here. I was already speaking about laws and legislations. How easy is it to deploy new technologies? But then additional factors like local labor and skill sets, like local infrastructure for service and supporting, those ones play a strong aspect as well. I think it's all about, you know, balancing the use of new technology with ensuring the operability of the systems. So there's there's certainly, certainly main differences. If, if I just group emerging countries versus the developed ones, like you said, maybe the access to, to new technology, the supporting infrastructure and everything is stronger in the more developed economies. At the same time, the flexibility and agility of decision making and adopting new changes are are often regulated or bound by certain rules and regulations. On the other hand, in the emerging countries where, where there's more agility, more speed, more hunger to try something new that might help to experiment, also fail, but continue experimenting. Is 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 then is then bound by that challenge of ensuring that there's local support, know-how, the skills, to even make it happen. So a very diverse landscape that we've been supporting from all angles over the past months.
0: Uh, fully agree, but I must add something from my side. One more difference that I feel is ex- extremely important: the mindset, the approach to change. I have the impression that uh, in emerging countries, it is much more difficult. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it really, it really depends on, um, on which end users and operators you engage with there. Um, many multi, uh, many multinational corporations are also active in emerging countries and in the landscape of not being bound by strong rules and regulations locally, but more autonomous decision making being possible within the scope of their plans has actually led to, um, examples of much more agile and quicker decision-making and adaptation of new technologies than has in the more developed world. But you're right, the landscape is, is diverse.
0: Yeah. Uh, Thomas, I mentioned uh, that the pandemic didn't change anything. It just accelerated the technological revolution. So my next question is, how do you see the speed of digital transformation in the grid network?
1: Let me say digital transformation in the grid network is, is nothing new. The trend of digitalization has been pre-relevant over the last decades already as new technology and innovation became available. Uh, For example, um, numerical protection relays emerging versus the traditional electromechanical ones. For example, um, digital SCADA and distributed control systems entering the field, showing the process and the plans on multiple screens in a centralized control room that can also be monitored remotely. So if anything, I would say from a technology perspective, the groundbreaking new technology in the recent years has specifically been um, cloud and edge computing. And in all of this landscape of new restrictions and challenges requiring companies to continue to drive efficiencies, do more with less, and now do it remotely more than ever, I think has accelerated that recent building block of technology to a speed, to a degree that would have otherwise um, probably not unfolded as quickly as it did.
0: One of the biggest trends right now is electromobility. Many car companies produce or will produce electric cars and I think that's the challenge for the communities and the utilities. A few days ago, I was in a large shopping mall in Warsaw where I live. Uh, where cars were parked in a multi-level car park. And there was one electric car charging station on the top floor and three cars were in a queue waiting in f- front of the station. Uh, so that creates a question, how will we be able to charge our cars? What is the response of power and utilities companies?
1: No, you're, you're right. First of all, in the in the primary energy mix, Electrification is playing an ever-increasing role in the next years to come. It's basically growing at double the speed compared to other ways of getting primary energy demands met. And certainly, electromobility or mobility in general plays a strong role of driving that demand. And you're right, creating the charging infrastructure for those cars to adequately Continue to be mobile is playing a big role here. And I think there's multiple stakeholders to take into consideration when looking at these questions. Certainly it's the car owners who want to, in an easy and convenient way, have access to charging stations, do the payment, connect with service or any other support that they might find on the route. Certainly there's the charging station operators, whether that's the shopping center and workshop you were referring to that puts the infrastructure in place or the shopping centers or malls or hospitals or airports that want to get this type of infrastructure unleashed. But then not least, like you say, it's the utility companies having to hand over electricity to those charging station operators, including the interface management, providing the additional load and flexibility that is needed, including digital solutions for monitoring and billing. Um, in that landscape. So certainly it's yeah something that's also in the utilities or especially on the utilities radar as uh, part of this transition.
0: What about renewable uh, energy sources? How do you see renewable energy in that equation?
1: In the mix of primary energy sources, renewable energy has been increasing its relevance in the mix already over the last years and will be accelerating its relevance in the mix in the years going forward. I think that utility companies and energy companies are embracing renewable energy, starting from the photovoltaic discussions, remote generation on residential homes, continuing with um, the operation of offshore wind parks, or now also the discussions around um, fuel cells and other emerging new energy sources. and. As part of that, specifically with regards to utility companies, I think the question around the flexibilization of the grid, managing centralised but now also increasingly decentralised energy sources, ensuring the high quality of uptime and service, um, is is a is an ever increasing challenge uh, in that in that mix. That's where also digital solutions, distributed systems, not least cloud computing enabled technologies, I think will play a key role to, to unlock the continuation.
0: Recently, I had a conversation with my friend who is the CEO of, the, of a large technology company and he told me one important thing, there is no turning back from digitalization. Those who don't get the train will stay on the platform and close the business. Do you agree with this sentence? Is development even possible without digitalization of energy sector?
1: I would fully agree to what, your friend, to what your friend said. I would even take it a step further and say maintaining and increasing relevance in the world and the competitive landscape that you find yourself mm-hmm. in is only possible through embracing change and utilizing technology and innovation on that way. And digitalization plays a big role in boosting that relevance and tapping these efficiencies. I think on On the way forward. So, when you ask, is that development possible without digitalization in the energy sector, I think it's broadly not possible without embracing change, new technology and innovation, especially digitalization, looking at the decentralization of the grid, the addition of more sources in the energy mix, uh, additional customers and requirements coming in, like the e-mobility and EV charging stations you were mentioning, are all something that will require an accelerated adaptation of technology innovation of digitalization and of remote technologies on top of that looking at the development of the resources
0: yeah right thomas thank you for all uh, these answers uh, unfortunately our time is running out so it was really a great pleasure to talk to you uh, thank you very much and because you travel a lot i wish you a good health in these difficult times Take
1: care and stay safe. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure joining you today. I appreciate it. Uh, You stay safe as well and hope to speak with you again soon.